it's a coming back home that is difficult for me. And I learned to live in these different worlds, but I go to places where people have nothing. I go to places where the kids have to go and walk 5K to gather water and bring the water and do their dishes. And then I'm just playing with them and they're just happy because I'm playing with them. That's Belen Ramirez Bordash, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Kara Duffy. And in this episode, you get to meet the powerhouse that is Belin. She's the co-founder of Project Bike Love, a nonprofit that provides reliable, independent transportation to women and girls around the world. And she's also a doctor who travels the world on missions with Doctors Without Borders. In this episode, she shares her journey from Paraguay to international citizen, why being a doctor and helping those most in need is what drives her, and how her passion for sport and bikes has opened doors she never imagined. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to ask you, are you considering starting your own business but not sure where to begin? Or maybe you started your own business and you're feeling overwhelmed and wondering if you're doing it right. Well, you are exactly who I've built my Powerful Ladies Thrive membership for. As a business coach, I spend my days helping entrepreneurs create their dream business that both grows beyond their expectations and gives them a work-life balance. Private coaching isn't affordable for everyone. And how are you supposed to get the support you need to launch your dream business when you're still trying to earn your first 10,000 or 100,000? That's where Powerful Ladies Thrive membership comes in. For a super low monthly price or annual price, you get weekly group coaching calls, monthly workshops, tools, resources, and a community of like-minded women who are rising and collaborating together. Run your business with confidence, have repeatable strategies that work, and watch your business grow. Visit PowerfulLadies.com to join today. Well, welcome to the Powerful Ladies podcast. Thank you. Hi, Kara. Hi. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. Um, Let's begin. Please tell everybody who you are and what you're up to in the world. Well, my name is Belen, Belen Ramirez. Mm-hmm. I am a doctor. I'm a family physician. I work with the organization Doctor Without Borders. I've been working with, mm-hmm. uh, we call it, if I say MSF, means Médecins Sans Frontières. So that's why we use MSF. So I've been working with MSF for, since 2010 now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so that's, that's mainly it when I, I call uh, Southern California home. Uh, I'm based here, but I'm always around. I just came back from Honduras. I went for a three-month mission in Honduras. And I also have, and that's how I made, uh, met Kara. I co-founded an organization called Project Bike Club. Uh, so I'm a bike enthusiast. I'm a uh, women empowerer. So that's mm-hmm. that's me. <laughs> just a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'd love to tell people who don't know what what is Doctor Without Borders and how does it work and what does that mean you have qualifications for so that you can go on those trips? Yeah, so uh, Dr. Will Board is we're a medical humanitarian organization. We are in over 700 uh, countries. So right now we have over 142 projects around the world. Uh, we actually were 50 years. This year we're going to be 50 years. Uh, we're going to have, wow. uh, yeah, so we were born in 1971. We won a Nobel Prize in uh, 1999. 
Uh, I always explain people when they ask me, it's like, what it's, you can only be a doctor to work with Dr. Wheel Borders. And mm-hmm. no, we're a medical organization, meaning that we do everything related to health, but we need people. We need logisticians and people working in HR. Uh, so it's not only doctors, thank God, because otherwise that was not going to work. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, humanitarian is because we go to places where most people don't want to go. Uh, it's, it's where there are vulnerable peoples. We work at a lot of places where I've been working. It's uh, war. Uh, there are there is war, and it's not that we like war. It's just mm-hmm. where there is war, there is need, and there is people who need us. So that's why we're there. Uh, we work in places with epidemics. So this was my first pandemic, uh, but I've been mm-hmm. working in different epidemics for over ten years now. Uh, and international, because uh, as I said, we're in over 70, 70 countries. And um, so we have this, I'm called an expat. So I'm an expatriate. And so I go and I just, but mostly, and this is what I always tell my team, the national team is the heart and the muscle and the brain and everything of, of our organization. Mm-hmm. So uh, most most of our staff are local staff working in, the, mm-hmm. uh, in, in their projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, what what type of doctor are you? I'm a family physician. So that's the specialty I did. I did all my medical degree in Paraguay. Um, I, I finished medical school there. I work there. As a family physician in Paraguay, I was able to have, for example, a patient that was a pregnant woman, and then I will be there for the delivery that I would actually either do the delivery or I will be the one receiving the baby, and then the baby will be my patient. Uh, so that's pretty much, in, in Paraguay, being a, medic, a family physician, it's pretty great. The, yeah. Since I started working with Dr. Will Borders, I, I, I'm in charge of, so I'm a medical team leader, so I'm in charge of the medical team. Uh, mm-hmm. This last mission, I was actually a project coordinator. So um, it was just not only based in the medical part. So mm-hmm. you actually gather skills and it's like being a doctor, you will always be a doctor and you will always have mm-hmm. medical skills, uh, which is great. Uh, but as a project coordinator, I was able to help the team in, in other ways that it's not just the medical part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, amazing. Um, what kind of countries have you done projects in? Like, where have you gone to travel as um, with Doctors Without Borders? Uh, let's see. I always try to remember everything. So I went to South Sudan, Colombia, Yemen, um, Chad, Congo, N- uh, Nigeria, Cameroon, uh, Honduras, Mexico, Guatemala, so I hope I don't rem- I, I don't forget anybody. <laughs> <You're okay. laughs> so I, I speak okay. I speak fluently three languages. Well, kind mm-hmm. of like people uh, kind of understand me in three different languages. So I mainly go to French speaking countries. Um, mm-hmm. So I forgot Central African Republic there. Uh, so I, I mainly go to to uh, French speaking countries. But now we're having more and more uh, projects in Central America and South America. So I've, mm-hmm. I've been going there for the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. And back when all of this started, what made you want to be a doctor? I am a weird one. When I was 14, <laughs> yeah. When I was, and, and I have a hard time with this. So finally, I, I came to an understanding that it's, it's like, well, then you are the weird one. 
when I was 14, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. So when mm-hmm. I was 14, I saw a billboard in Europe and I said, and it was a, 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 it was a picture of Dr. Will Borders. So I mm-hmm. said, cool, that's what I want to do when I grow up. So my mom said, then you have to be a doctor. And I was like, I think I can do that. I had good grades. I like to help people. Mm-hmm. So since mm-hmm. I'm 14, when people ask me, I said, I want to be a doctor. And I just, I follow my dream. <laughs> and how did you end up in the U.S.? Love. Yeah. So I, I was working with Dr. Will Borders since 2010. I went for two missions. I went to um, South Sudan and then I went to Yemen in between missions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was in Paraguay and I met the, the person who's my husband now. So, and yeah. he was American. And this is the funny part of the whole story because I always thought I would end up in Europe and I said I wasn't going to come to the States and then I fell in love with an American <laughs> and I moved here. <laughs> yeah. So love brought me here. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen so many pictures that you post on Instagram when you do go on your missions. And it's so powerful to see um, the joy that you have in your life, I would say, every day of getting to ride bikes or getting to help people or just getting to do all this cool stuff that is life. And to see you bringing that same joy to these places that are impoverished or in need or struggling and to see you especially connecting with kids and, you know, you know, you sent pictures of like all the drawings that they've given you or, you know, playing games with them uh, outside of the hospitals. What is it like, you know, interacting with the people who you're there to serve in these different countries? Well, the hardest thing for me since 2000, in 2019, I went to an Ebola project. So mm-hmm. it, that was super difficult because I couldn't interact with people as much as I used to. Uh, I, I love interacting. I love being with mm-hmm. kids. Um, it's just a, a lot of people always ask me if I have a hard time going to these places and then coming back home. And actually, mm-hmm. it's a coming back home that is difficult for me. And, mm-hmm. and, and I've learned to live in these different worlds, but I go to places where people have nothing. I'm like, I go to places where the kids have to go and walk 5K to gather water and bring the water and do their dishes. And they're just, and then I'm just playing with them and they're just happy because I'm playing with them, right? And like, just, mm-hmm. I'm, they're just happy that I'm there for them. And then I come back home and I'm like, it, it happened. It doesn't happen that much anymore. But I used to like open the tub and see like running water and just crying because there was running water. And I'm like, oh my gosh, seriously. <laughs> um, so that's that's my main thing. It's it's just knowing how blessed and lucky mm-hmm. we are. Uh, so and, and and I just go and I and I play with the kids and and it's funny because I I go and I'm like I remember riding this bike. Uh, so I love bikes. And you know that I love bikes. So whenever I can ride a bike, I'm like, I'm just riding a bike. So uh, there was this, I was in Congo and there was these kids riding this gigantic bike, right? And I'm like, can I ride a bike? <laughs> so they gave me the bike and I'm still riding. And then there's a downhill. So I start going down and there are no brakes, like no <laughs> brakes. And I'm like, I'm going to die, right? So I was like, just put my butt back and I'm like, just go down. And it's like, I turn and then I'm like, all the kids are like, yeah. 
And I was like, I didn't die. I, I just gave a show. And then there's like, oh my gosh, you know how to ride a bike. And I'm like, well, where I live, we women ride bikes. Like we do ride bikes for fun, right? And for them, it's usually a way of transportation and it's just a ma- the men riding their bikes. And it's just because the women don't have a bike and it's just the men using it for transportation and to transport things and to transport like big gigantic blocks, right? Yeah. And, and you're like, well, where I live, we, we ride bikes for fun. And they don't get that fun bar. It's just, so it's, it's, it's super interesting just to show them a different world. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great segue to share with everybody about Project Bike Love. What is Project Bike Love? How did it start? And why does it exist? Project Bike Love exists to, in my, in my own heart, to connect worlds. Like it's to, seriously is to connect worlds. Um, so in, in 2015, I met this great girl, Erin. Um, I was myself, I was, I was struggling with this. I was struggling mm-hmm. with living in such a, I, I say it this way, such a bumper world. Like we have yeah. our own struggles here. We have our own things, but it's seriously first world countries issues. So mm-hmm. for me, seeing the world the way I saw it, I just, I was having a hard time and I was just trying to find a way to be able to do something else. So I'm on a ride and I met this girl, Erin, and she's just chit-chatting and talking about bikes and empowerment and women. And we're going up this hill and I'm like, uh, slow down woman. I really want to hear what you're saying, <laughs> but I like, I can't keep up with you, right? And we always tell the story because it was like, she was just so fit that day. And I'm like, I just came back from a mission. <laughs> so we finally made it to the top and we kept, we keep talking. And then we said, let's go for a run. So in that way, I thought I was going to keep up with her. So we, we go for an eight mile run, I believe it was in Laguna Coast Wilderness. And we start talking about this and she's, she's, she's a bike. She, she, she loves bike, very active. Um, mm-hmm. so she has this idea that she wanted to do something. She wanted to empower women. She wanted to give bikes. She wanted to use the bike as a tool. And she just had this vague idea. Right. And I'm like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when people think, and then I, I told her this, this story, um, I was in South Sudan and it was almost my last day in, in the mission. So I see this kid coming and he is nearly dead. Like he was like in a really bad shape. He's nearly dead. And I, and I see the nurses just thinking that the, this kid is going to die. So for me, it was like, okay, I need to show these, the nurses that we can do something for this kid, that he's not dead yet, that we can save this kid. So we started doing, it was difficult to even give him a, a, a like, to give an IV, IV. right? Mm-hmm. So we had to do it through a needle through the knee. So anyway, we do everything. We start giving the medication. I stay there. and like, I call my, my project coordinator at that time. Like, I can I please stay with this kid as long as I can. Then when I actually have to go to the compound, I'm like on the radio, like making sure he's getting all the medication. So at the next day, I, I go back to the whole, to the hospital, I was going to say to the hotel, I go back to the hospital <laughs> and the kid is alive. Like the kid is alive and they're doing great. Kids are amazing. They're like so fast. They can like 
they can spring back really fast. So I just, I just go and I tell them that I'm like, okay, I already, I already like work with the nurses that they know that they can do this. Now I need to work with the dad, right? Like, why did you come so late to the hospital? Why did it, why did you wait Mm -hmm. so long? And he said, doctor, I didn't know there was a doctor who orders hospital nearby. And when I found out, I couldn't find a bike to bring my kid to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he lived a hundred kilometers away. So that's 66 miles that that dad was on a bike with his son. So mm-hmm. that day, I just, I just started crying. <laughs> I just started crying. I'm like, I will never make a stupid question anymore ever again. So mm-hmm. when I say that a bike can be the difference between life and death, it's because I saw it. It's like, I'm not Mm -hmm. trying. That's what I keep saying. It's like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm like, I saw it. I like, I believe on it. I've like, I I really saw the difference. And and it's not always life and death. I mean, there are like Mm -hmm. a lot of grace in the middle, but I did, I saw the life and then. So I just, uh, then when we're talking with Amy, uh, with, with Erin, I said, we can really empower women right? Mm-hmm. So um, we, that's how we started. We started with, with women. So we give bikes to women to use as transportation. And so it's, it's just the first time we went to Paraguay. It was just so eye-opening for me also, because it's not just the giving the bike. It's just, it's also the feeling important. It's also mm-hmm. the feeling that somebody cares for them, right? They're so, they're so invisible, right? It's like, and suddenly it's like, hey, somebody's actually seeing me. Like somebody actually cares for me as a person. And, and I grew up in, in, a, in a place, like I grew up in Paraguay. I grew up in, mm-hmm. in a place where it's very man-based and it's very machista. So if, and it's, it's, it's very similar to what I see in places where I go, where I work, right? Most of the places where I work are like that. So if in a family, there are five people, like five siblings, and there are four women and one boy, the boy is the one who's going to get the bike, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's, it's just how it is, right? Like, like cultural-wise, and he's the breadwinner, and he's the one who, and then he has to be the strong one. So mm-hmm. uh, before us, we wanted to do, we, and when, that's when people ask us, right? It's like, why only women? And I'm like, because we speak women. <laughs> like we can connect with women i'm like we love men we just we just connect with women so mm-hmm. uh, we started in 2015 we delivered over 500 bikes so far uh mm-hmm. we said locally nationally and internationally and we went internationally first we deliver bikes in paraguay so so far we deliver in paraguay bolivia honduras and here in uh in the states we deliver bikes here in orange county at Grandma House of Hope. And then we have a really, really good relationship with the Navajo Nation. Oh my gosh, you have to meet this woman, Claudia. I will love her. Uh, so she's doing great things at the Navajo Nation. So we have a really, really great relationship with them. That's so cool. And and to give everybody some more context of how it <clears throat> works on a regular basis, you got, um, most of the Project Bike Club team is based in Southern California. And you raise money and do fundraisers and bike races and competitions and all sorts of things throughout the year to raise money 
so that you guys can um, usually buy bikes locally, whatever is the cheapest, easiest logistics wise to get everybody bikes. Um, and it's amazing because people think of bikes and most people think of, of cycling, like road bikes, but you, <clears throat> you and a lot of the women involved do like cross bike, right? Where you're riding um, mountain bikes or racing. It's like girls on bikes on dirt and it's awesome. Like uphills, endurance, out in nature. Um, how empowering does it make you feel when you're, you know, made it to the top of the mountain or when you're racing downhill and you actually have brakes? <laughs> like how, how does being on a bike and, and racing with the bikes make you feel? Well, the bikes is something, and I was just thinking about that coming back from Laguna uh, right now. It's the bike. It's one of those things. I'm a very, very active person. So I do, mm -hmm. I like, I, I swim, I run, I hike, I can do, just give me anything. And I'm like, I'm a very active person. So I'm very inclined to anything related to sports, but nothing gives me the feeling that a bike gives me. Uh, mm -hmm. The bike gives you a sense of independence a sense of power, a sense of you are doing it yourself with your own legs. Um, mm -hmm. And then it's like, and, and, and I said, I, I was just coming downhill right now and you don't even remember how cool it is. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, didn't, I wasn't able to do that like five years ago and now it's nothing, mm -hmm. right? So you yeah. learn those skills and those are skills that stay with you, with you forever. But at the same mm -hmm. time, it makes you feel so good because you're learning something new. But mm -hmm. the bike itself, for me, it is, it's freedom. It's yeah. independence. It is, it is power. It's, it's just that remind you, it's, just, it's, it's that reminder of like how powerful we really are as person, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then it, it does, I mean, I love running and I love hiking, but the, the thing about the bike is like, it gives you that little speed and it's like that wind in your, in your face, right? That it gives you a little yeah. more freedom and independence and, and power than the yeah. running part, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That I totally understand. And for the women and the girls who receive these bikes, like it, when you talk about independent transportation, that's really what it is because they can go to school from on time and reliably or for the first time. They can use it to sell things. They can use it to go to work. Like we don't realize how isolated people get when they don't have access to transportation and how that impacts everything else about their life. They um, don't. And we, we have these beneficiaries. We're working on this project right now. We're trying to get 500 bikes for indigenous women in Paraguay. Uh, so how we started this project is we have these uh, partners and then we'll, we'll, let, let's talk about partners later to, to explain how we work with partners. So we had these mm -hmm. partners and they were talking to the ladies and asked, what do you want? Like, if you need to ask something to people, what would you ask? And they mm -hmm. said, we want bikes to go gather water and to go uh, gather firewood, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, really? It's like, they, they're asking for bikes to go because they still have to go and do it, right? They have to go and walk mm -hmm. and do it, right? And you're like, they're asking that. And then I, <laughs> so I was in Honduras now for, for Dr. Well Borders, but I mix a little bit so I could do both. And I was in this place, which is a really uh, dangerous place, right? There's like a lot of gang related thing and drug related things. So 
uh, these amazing nurses. So there was this hurricane. Uh, so the, the, the health center was flooded for two months. Their houses mm-hmm. were flooded. And then they were finally able to go and clean the, the health center and, and clean their houses. And the, the, the people were going back to the health center. So these five nurses became uh, Project Bike Club beneficiaries. So they got bikes and they can actually ride the bikes. They can, they can go to their houses. And there is this, uh, like a bus, like a transportation that goes by. And this, this nurse is like, I'm not going to need you anymore. I have my bike now. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, that might give me a little trouble because I'm like, I'm getting business out of people. So I don't know if this place is a good place for me to, for you to actually say that. So you have to see all these things, right? Mm-hmm. We don't even realize those type of things. Cause I'm like, we're talking about gang related, like drugs yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, I should just don't say anything. Just, just ride yeah. the bike. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, so w- what are these partners that you have? Are there, describe who they are and how you work with them. Yeah, so that's, that's really important for people to understand. And if you know anybody that you can help us, um, we try to look for partners, for, for organizations that already work with women. So in that way, we can actually do a follow-up of the women. They also, they, they also help us uh, find the beneficiaries and choose the beneficiaries. Uh, for example, in Paraguay, we have different organizations, Techo, Enseña por Paraguay. Uh, they're just organizations already working with the women. Mm-hmm. And then in that, in that way, it's, it's, it's so much easier. Like we had this, uh, it's called Fundación María Auxiliadora, right? So it's like, it's a mm-hmm. Catholic, uh, so there, it's like from a Catholic school. And we, uh, so we gave bikes to women uh, that were going to night school. Um, so this happened. They text me like two weeks. Uh, and so we, we, they, they text me and they said, something happened, Belen, but we fixed it already. And I'm like, okay, what happened? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was like, okay, what happened? So, uh, a brother stole the bike from one of the girls and he was trying to sell it on something like Craigslist. So the girls mm-hmm. figure it out and they did like a, private investigation and they went and knew exactly who that was. So then a nun, just picture this, like a nun goes to the guy and it's like, lawyers from the States are going to come. Oh my goodness. So it's like the nun going and then, then it's the nun like texting. It's like, Glenn, I just wanted to let you know, but I was like, we, 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 we fix it. The bike, she has a bike already. Nobody's ever going to sell a bike anymore. So for us, that's super important. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to go, we're, we're like, and, and we always say we're not one of those organizations. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be an organization that just give a hundred bikes and then we take pictures and then we leave and we have no clue who the people yeah. are, what are they doing just with their disappear. lives. Just mm-hmm. disappear. Yeah, just disappear. We, we, we don't. Um, so we really try to work with people and there's this whole, this whole hug thing. So and then we also need to teach them like how to ride a bike and how to you to do basic mechanics, like how to change mm-hmm. a, a flat tire and like basic things that we don't even realize mm-hmm. how basic they are for us. And then, mm-hmm. but for people, it's like, wow. So we need, we, we teach them how to change a tire, how to even lower a seat, uh, yeah. with a, uh, really basic things. But that already gives you also a sense of independence and power. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great. 
I mean, full confession, I do not know how to change a flat tire on a bike. It's like, I know you need to learn. I yeah. should. I should. Totally well, I used to. I used to depend on my husband. So it's like when I when I started riding, it's like I knew he would change my my tire. And I remember Aaron gave me so much shade about it. <laughs> like you do not need your husband to change your flat tire. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn. And now to everybody. And then now now I'm just so I work. It's I'm, I'm aware. So I work at a bike store when I'm home, and there was these these. This guy, 83-year-old, he came and he mm-hmm. had a flat tire, but um, it, he, he had tubeless. So it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole story. So you can have no tubes inside your tire. So you have sealant, right? And then he came because he, he was like he had a flat tire. So I said, okay, uh, it costs $25 to do it now and we can fix it. Or you can learn how to fix your own uh, <laughs> flats, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I went and I'm like, this is what you need. And this is a kid and this is how you do it. And I'm like, and on YouTube, you can learn everything. So people were like mm-hmm. laughing. They were like, look at you, Belen, teaching people how to choose. I'm like, people need to know how to <laughs> survive. I mean, change their flats and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's, yeah. we have two bikes in our garage right now. We actually have three in our garage, but two of them have something that needs to be fixed, either a tire or pedal broken something. And I'm like, this is so crazy. Like this has to get fixed. Mm -hmm. I know a bike store. (laughs) Yes. We're just going to bring everything to you. That's what we're going to (laughs) do. Like, so we know that you growing up knew you wanted to be a doctor very early. Were you also always imagining a life that was full of sports and full of making an impact and full of travel? Like, did you know that this is what your life would look like from a young age? The trouble, yes, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. The being active, uh, yes, for sure. So I was, uh, I was, we're five, and I'm the. So we're five siblings, right? I have two mm-hmm. older brothers and then two younger sisters. So I grew up with two older brothers, and mm-hmm. I was one of the boys, right? Like right now, and I think we had this conversation before because I'm like, I was. A, like no, I wasn't a tomboy. I was a girl who was very active. I'm like, I just yeah. hate that we have to define everything, right? The definition mm-hmm. of a tomboy. I'm like, no, I'm just a girl who likes to be active, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like right now. It's like I didn't like to be braided my braid my hair or putting dresses. Yeah. I, I was just, I was just a very active person. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think I, 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 I was a trailblazer for sure for my sisters and my my cousins. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I did everything when I played all the sports, I, I, I used to play football. I broke my, not kidding. I broke my hand two times, like my, my wrist and then my, my voice, my wrist and then my arm, uh, playing football with the boys because, mm-hmm. uh, so I was a goalie and my brother, he's like, he tried to score and I'm like, I, he didn't score, but I broke my hand. <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped the ball. Um, and then my dad, that's, that's kind of the story of my, so my dad was a commercial pilot. So I, I travel since I'm, since I'm very little, I, I, I was already traveling. Uh, so that, that was something that really marked my life when I was, since I'm 12, when I was 12, I was going to Belgium and that's why I always tend to Europe. I was going for three months. Uh, I have these, these friends, like my parents have these friends and I, I would just go for my whole time for my vacation 
and I would go to Belgium and stay there. And I was working there in a restaurant. Uh, and I just love how easy it was to travel. And I remember mm-hmm. I have this, my end, and I said, I, I want to go to Paris. I never went, to, I've never been to Paris. I was like 14. I'm like, I've never been to Paris. I want to go to Paris. And she's like, okay, I'm going to take you to Paris. And she just made sandwiches and we just went to Paris. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly the type of person I want to be. Like, <laughs> she was like my role model. Like, that's the type of person I want to be. And then when I was 16, I won this scholarship. Uh, it's called La Ruta Quetzal. And that's for sure is a trip that marked my life. So I won this scholarship. It's uh, 15 days in, in uh, Spain and then a month in a, in a country in South America. So I, was, I went to Bolivia, but mm-hmm. with 350 people my age, like at 16 and 17. And I remember that was, that, that, that's a trip that marked my life because I realized I wasn't crazy. Right. I'm like, I wasn't yeah. the, or I wasn't the only crazy. I love my yeah. friends. I'm still friends with my, the, the girls I grew up with. I, I, I love mm-hmm. them, but I wasn't into makeup or clothes or, uh, parties. I was the sportive one that liked to read and see the world. Yeah. So I, I met these people when I was 16, 17. And, and I was like, Oh my gosh, these are my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think in, in that way, and my mom also says that she 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 thinks like she's like I, I always knew you were not going to stay in Paraguay, um, and it's 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 something that I kind of knew I I did and and, mm-hmm. and again I didn't know where I was going to end in the world, mm-hmm. but uh, I knew it was going to be in a place with people that are like uh, like minded like more sportive mm-hmm. and. Uh, liking to travel and in all that thing it's like making an impact and making a difference in people's lives yeah I just that that was just who I was since my beginning yeah Yeah, those three things you mentioned are pretty much core pillars of of my life but like I want to read as much as possible and learn as much I want to travel as much and I want to make an impact and ideally do it with similar people um, I felt the same way when I moved to Germany and I was working for Puma and Adi was based there too. And so it was a bunch of people the same age, crazy enough to move abroad to make shoes or make clothes and and travel the world, like all rooted in in sport and making cool things. And it was, it was relief being like, oh, I'm not the weirdo. Like there's other weirdos like me. I know. I know. <laughs> And it's, but, it's such a crazy feeling to be like, oh, okay. I just I haven't know. found my people. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I work with, uh, so I work three months a year and I was like abroad and then I'm home. Um, when I work, it's so funny because it's like, these are my people. Like, so here they're my people. They're like the sportive one and we go riding. Yeah. But then I also have my other, my people, right? Yes. I was yeah. laughing because mm-hmm. I, I was, I was, you know, I'm like, I was living with people, like with French people and they all speak English, but they, because we were in Honduras, they had to speak Spanish. So in our meeting, we would speak in three different languages and not caring about like, and we would just switch from mm-hmm. one language to the other. And it was perfect because everybody understood, right? And it was just, whatever was perfect in that language would say in that language and then go back. Right. 
And then mm-hmm. when people ask you where you're from, it's like, it's just the norm, right? It's, they don't mm-hmm. ask you where you're from in a, I don't want to say in a mean way, but uh, usually when people ask you where you're from, it's more like, well, I'm originally from Paraguay and this, but when I'm abroad and people ask me where I'm from, it's so much easy because everybody's from mm-hmm. everywhere. And it's like, where am I living yeah. now? Where did I grow up? Where was I born? So, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's like that. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Or just, just, just even not having to explain why you travel so much. Right. Or the idea of, of just even knowing it's possible, right? Like there, you get to skip all the, the shock and awe and just start talking to the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's, yeah, it's, totally. it's funny. I, I, I always say it's just the, the way we connect. Because again, it's like my people here are my people, right? But yes. we, we, we usually, it's like, okay, what did you buy now? What are you getting now? What? It's, it's something like that. And when I go on You're mission, it's out about like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's more like, where are you going next? What are you doing next? Where are you doing? And it's so like, ugh, it's, it's so nice and fun mm-hmm. just to like, it's, it's okay. You, you can just be you without, that's what it is. I can just be me without justifying myself, like why I mm-hmm. do things. I'm like, oh, it's just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a perfect opportunity to ask when you hear the words powerful and ladies, what do those words mean to you independently? And what do they mean to you when they're together as powerful ladies? I kept thinking so much about powerful um, and, and, in, in this sense, I think sometimes we, we define, we, like we, we, we come a definition with everything, and, right? And powerful means that you have to be strong, right? It's like we always have to be strong and we have to be the strong ones. And I have this friend, Sole, and uh, she said this in an interview we had. Uh, she's, she's from Paraguay. We, used to, we work together at an organization. Uh, she's she was a minister at the uh, housing uh, department in, in, in Paraguay, super male dominated. Um, and she said, people think that we are weak because we are sensitive. And uh, weakness comes from the mind and sensitivity comes from the heart. We're not weak. Mm-hmm. We are sensitive. And that changed everything for me, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. hey. I, I'm very powerful. Like I'm a very powerful person. And, but with, with many things, but I am sensitive too. And it's okay to be sensitive and it's okay to be vulnerable. I mean, it, it Mm makes us who we are. Right. So when I combine our powerful ladies, it's like, it's so much more than just showing like strength. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's sensitivity. It is power. Uh, it is being strong, but in our own way, right? Like yeah. and, and I keep saying it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to be sensitive. It is who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I surrounded myself now with so many amazing, powerful ladies um, mm-hmm. that it's, it's just being... And, and, and I keep saying this also to my, to my friends, like I, I grew up with people and I'm friends with the people that I grew up. I have friends that know me since I'm six. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's, it's amazing how 
like living here now and being surrounded by the women that I'm surrounded here, I'm like, oh my gosh, being a powerful lady <laughs> took such a different sense than what it was when I was growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Growing up, I just had to be strong and always show that I was strong and then stronger than a man that was usually like stronger than my brothers. Or it's like, you can, for me, it was the, the land. You cannot do that because you're a woman. And I was like, oh, let me show you how to do it. <laughs> there was, there was a lot of, you cannot do that. And I'm like, oh, let me show you how it's done. And now I, I don't have that anymore in the way that it's like, yeah, I still show you how it's done, but not in a mean way. I'm just going to show you how it's done because I know I can do it, right? <laughs> like, yes. That's just, I yes. am who I am. You, you are the example of those uh, Nike commercials when it's the anything you can do, I can do better competitions, right? Where it'd be like, you know, Michael Jordan versus Mia Hamm or something, right? And we just keep one-upping each other. Um, when, when, you know, when I think about you and your power, and I, and I like your definition of adding in this, this multidimensional power, right? Like it's not, there's so many layers to what it means to be powerful. And when I think about you as a powerful lady, there's, there's such a, a grace and humility that you bring with it too, right? Like you have this zest for life and this enthusiasm that I think is contagious for other people. And like the way that you look at people, like there's, you know, you're such a, a smart and accomplished and brave person. But when you look at somebody, you meet them like as equals, no matter who they are. And I think that so comes through when you when you're on your mission trips as well. And like really seeing everybody that no matter what they have, we're all as po- equally powerful. So let's I, meet there. I, let's meet at that human level. Mm-hmm. I learn from everyone and that's it. And yeah. we're just different, right? We are just yeah. different. I remember being now in my last mission and I was and I I I, I was laughing about this, right? I'm like, I am terrible. I, I, I can cook. That's the thing. I should learn how to cook. But then I, I, I'm terrible at IT things. Anything that is related to IT things, like I am so terrible, right? So we had this shared drive that I was like trying to figure out this whole shared drive thing. And I have a friend, Jill, French, 32 years old. And I was like, okay, Jill, you're much better than me at this. We, we need to do it now. I was like, can you do it? And then I was like, I can do it too. And somebody said, it's like, you know, how, you know, you can learn how to do that, right? You're very smart. And I'm like, oh, I know I'm very smart. I know that it's totally fine, but she's smarter than me in that. And it's totally fine. I mean, it's just, we're just different. So we're, we, we can work together and we can do it faster mm-hmm. right now because we, and that's one thing that I remember this person was just thinking, it's like, oh, that's really interesting. It's like, you know, you're smart, but you know, she's also smart. Right. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not a competition. I mean, she's better mm-hmm. than me at that and we need to do it fast. So it's like, just do it. Right. So it's, it's one of those things. I know, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves that we always have mm-hmm. to like be good and best and show and, and I don't, we just can learn so much from other people and we're just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know whenever every experience I've ever had abroad or even in a different part of the U.S. than I'm used to, it always makes me feel more optimistic about humanity. It makes me feel better about like we can fix our problems. Um, And it, as you said earlier, it just recenters on like what really matters, like 
everyone cares about their family. Everyone's trying to to improve for themselves and and their family. Everyone's trying to um, enjoy meals together and have fun and celebrate whatever everyone celebrates in their different cultures. And we're so similar that it it's I find it irritating <laughs> how how much we try to use our differences against each other when there's such an opportunity to just celebrate um, how much we have in common. Yep, totally agree. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so our, our differences make us better. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, when you look at the women who have been in your life, who, who inspired you? You mentioned your aunt earlier, but who's inspired you um, growing up and now, and how have the women in your life uh, changed the trajectory of the life that you have? I think I have so many women to look up, and I think in a in a good way and in a bad way. I also had women, and and that's knowing that that's not what I wanted, and 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 mm -hmm. it, it is, and it's it, it is what it is, right? It is yeah. what I say. It's like it is what it is. Like I also had women thinking that that's not what I want, and mm -hmm. for example, for me, I was just okay if I get. I didn't have the. For me, it wasn't like getting married and having kids and having a house and having this. That was never my goal, right? So I remember growing up knowing that that was not my goal. And then everybody's saying, like, there's something wrong with you. And I'm like, well, it's just who I am, right? Um, but then women that were like that, they were giving so much to others, right? It's like, that was my main thing, like all the love and all the care. And that's my mom, right? So I remember... Like, I didn't want to have, that was not my goal in life. Like, I didn't want to be a mom of five and just being like totally focused on my five kids. That was just not who I was. But she was everything, right? Just like, she gave everything to us. And then I think now that she's, she was so different than what I was. Like, I was so sportive and she was not, but she gave me everything. It's like, she would take me mm -hmm. to swim classes and these classes. So the understand now I, I can understand that it's like oh my gosh we're so different and she gave me all the power and all the freedom and I so I say she gave me life and then she gave me wings to live it um so that's that's one of the things and then so I have different school teachers most of my school teachers were women and that's amazing like most of my mm -hmm. school teachers were were women and I remember when I was uh, sixth grade for Paraguay so I was 12 this this uh, teacher told my mom she is going to be a lawyer. I'm 100% sure Belen is going to be a lawyer, but she's going to be a lawyer like for poor people. She's always defending her friends. <laughs> she will be the one standing up for everyone and she's going to be a lawyer. And my mom was like, I don't think a lawyer. I think she wants to be a doctor. And so I think maybe that's also the things like my mom thought I was going to be a doctor, right? So I grew up thinking I was going to be a doctor. Um, so I had, I, I like growing up for me, I didn't have that many women to look up at what I was thinking that I was going to be, right? Uh, then growing up, I think I, I started making my own way and my own path and and then going into medical school. Then I, I did have teachers and doctors and females. And I was like, oh, okay, you can actually be a female and be a doctor. Um, and then I started getting like more because I was so sportive and I didn't have any uh, 
like any person who was sporting that I would and like Michael Jordan. I grew up with Michael Jordan. He was like I was I, I was I, I loved basketball, so I was growing up with Michael Jordan, right? Um, so now I feel when I think about that, I I say, oh my gosh, I feel the responsibility sometimes because two years ago my niece she's she's uh, last year she was she's fifteen and at one she had to like dress up as the person she admired, right? And she dressed up like me. <laughs> I know she was like project by love things. She's like, she dressed up like <laughs> me and she talked about auntie Bellin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, we have so much responsibility, right? Yeah. It's like, Oh my gosh, people yeah. are actually looking at us. Like we don't realize and people are actually looking at us. And as I mm-hmm. think like my aunt, I'm yeah. sure she had no clue when she said that, yeah, I'm going to take you to Paris. And she just made sandwiches and grabbed her keys. Right. Like for mm-hmm. her, that was so normal. And for yeah. me, it was like, that's, that's, I'm going to be that person. I'm like, I'm going to be the one like making sandwiches, grabbing her keys and going to Paris. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yes. It's so, it's so moving, right. To like know the impact that that had on you. Right. Um, You know, when, for anyone who's listening, who feels like they're, they're the, the weird one or the odd one out and they, they haven't, found people who are like them in certain capacities like what what advice would you give to to stay true to yourself and to yeah i guess just stay true to yourself and keep going embrace it <laughs> yeah. it's okay and and i always say that it's it is okay to be different so mm-hmm. i i have these i i i, I start giving these uh, presentation to young people and going through, and I, I call myself El Patito Feo, like the ugly duck. Growing up, I was the ugly duck, right? Because I was, I grew up in a society that is like, so you have to like, even little girls, like makeup and things. And I was like, I was not that. So I was mm-hmm. always the smart, the adventurous, right? So I was the ugly one. I was never the beauty, right? And I always tell that to G, my husband. I'm like, well, you made me beauty because he calls me beauty, right? And I'm like, you know what? I never saw myself like that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, right. All the beautiful girls are like that. They don't see. I'm like, I'm telling you, like, I didn't grow Mm -hmm. up thinking I was beautiful because I was Mm -hmm. smart and I was the adventurous, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I always say that to people. It's like, it is okay to be different. It, it's perfectly fine. It is you. Just embrace who you are. And there are billions of people in this world. Trust me, you are not weird. You just not. You just didn't find your people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You and will when, find when your at, people. <laughs> you will. You will. And 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 when I look at the the, the choices that you've made throughout your life, the more that you leaned in on being you the the bigger cooler thing has come to you right like being you and going to medical school you got you've been traveling the world and helping people for years now and being you and leaning in on sport has given you access to project bike love and a whole thing that you probably never had dreamed of before you talked to Aaron right so i think there's so much power in whatever makes you unique that that's your that that's a uh it's a clue to what you have to give the world and you never know how that, how that gift is going to be used. Um, but if you don't lean in on it, you you'll miss all those opportunities. So 
you know, the fact of you being you has led you to your people and being able to serve and to make all those things that really matter to you be such a part of your life. Like you, you walk the walk, right? You are always active. You're always helping. You're always um, doing what really matters to you. So um, yeah, you never know what's available by just leaning in, leaning in on what makes you weird, right? <laughs> yep. Embrace it. Embrace it's not it. bad to so be for, weird. No, no. We had a, um, a power couple on a couple episodes ago and, you know, they said, we know we're doing something right when somebody thinks like, well, that's not normal. And so whenever somebody says that's not normal, they go, yes, because <laughs> like, it means that they're, they're following their path and their heart. And who wants to like normal, there's nothing wrong with normal, but there's so many other options um, to, to carve your own normal and create it. When it's like um, people right now are asking me, they're, they're usually asking me like, so what do you, how, like, how do you see the end of your life type of, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, so people, especially here in the States, well, here in the States, you see people that are more thinking about retirement and what are you going to do with your retirement? So people are also always thinking about retirement when in other places, people don't think as much as retirement yet, because they're like trying to, mm -hmm. like, they're like struggling with basic life, like how to deal yeah. with their normal day life right now. Right. So when people ask me about retirement and I'm like, I don't even think about retirement because for me, if I can, I'm just going to keep working until I die. Like, I'm not kidding. I just yeah. love what I do. Right. And I'm, mm -hmm. it's, and it's not just being a doctor. It's like, like I, sometimes I go back home and my husband is like, so how was your day? And I'm like, oh my gosh, you won't believe this. This little girl, five-year-olds, like I sold her a bike, but she's like, and he, and he's like, how are you like so passionate about it? I was like, it's like, I was just working in like, I don't know, a big contract, right? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I didn't. I sold bike to a five-year-old, but it was awesome because she learned how to ride and she thinks she, she wanted like training wheels, but then she didn't need the training wheels. And that was great to see her doing that. So mm -hmm. it's just being passionate about what you do. And I'm like, I don't even think about retirement. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's true. We, I, we, um, I do a men's uh, mastermind group uh, right now, and we were talking about FIRE, right? Um, financially independent, retire early, like that strategy people have to save up all their money so they can quit their job. And I'm like, yeah, but that strategy only works if you hate your job. Like, why are we even doing work that we don't like? Like, there's plenty of ways to make money in this world. And um, you can have your own business. You can work for somebody else. Like, Whatever you want in life, you can you can find it in a way that somebody will pay you. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to travel the world. I got I took jobs at companies that like me. I had to travel like it was part of the job. And so it's, you know, while while fire sounds really sophisticated and cool and like young entrepreneur saving up all my money to retire at 30, 40, whatever the number is people choose. It's like, cool. Then what? Like, if we're just doing it to have a pile of money, there's so much that we're missing of what we could be experiencing with life and and learning and growing and all the things. So I agree with you. Um, I think I think sometimes now when we talk about like winning the lottery, right? And I'm like, I would love yeah. to win the lottery, so I'm gonna go and work for free. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm going to take my husband with me to my mission, right? And I'm going to go, we'll go and work for free. Or I've just, that's what I'm going to do, right? I'm like, yeah. If you have, like, if I win the lottery, what are you going to do? And I'm like, for sure, I'm going to travel after this pandemic is over. I'm going to take my family on a yes. trip. And then I'm just going to go and work. That's, yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> that's yeah. what I love. You're like, I'm going to prepay my cell phone and my mortgage for the next 60 years. And then I'm just going to yeah. do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. So I just can have a place that I call it my base and it's my home and yeah. where it's usually where my bikes are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. If you won the lottery, you would bring your family and a bike with you on every trip. Mm-hmm. Probably. I don't know yeah. about every trip bar. <laughs> like there are places where I shouldn't bring my family, but yeah. 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 I well, go to some difficult who... places. <laughs> and and are you ever scared going into them? Or do you feel like you get enough training to be prepared? There is this one thing about fear. And I always say fear, it's a good thing. I mean, if you use it in your advantage, fear is a good thing, right? It's, it's the fear of the fear that stops you. It's a, it's, it's a bad fear. Um, I do know that I, I've been in situations that I have the skills or I was just lucky enough to be able to solve a situation in a way that it wouldn't affect others. And when I Mm-hmm. And I, when I say affect, or when I talk about affect others, meaning it's like uh, people didn't die <laughs> because yeah. of a way something was resolved, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think most people live their life being afraid to die. And I live my life being afraid of not living. Uh, I think at, at the end, I mean, I know we're just passing through. I mean, I do know I'm going to die eventually. I know it's like it will sometimes scares more my my loved ones, right? And I will be like, but then I think it's like they will be able to do their life without me. It's not that I put myself in danger like because I want to, uh, but then the same thing. It's 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 when when you talk about skills and if I'm prepared enough, like I know I can take measures to decrease the risk as much as possible. It's like when you ride a bike, right? You ride a bike and you like, you ride a bike and you put yourself in danger. But what do you do? You wear a helmet. Uh, if you're on the road, you follow the, the road rules. You try to be as safe as possible. There is never zero risk. Everything we do is risky, right? So we just do things in a way that the risk is minimal. Uh, but then I probably do take more risks than most people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's to what, say. Yeah. There's no way around it. If there's a sprinkle of adventure anywhere, right. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for everybody who is now really excited about project bike love and what you're doing, how can they support you? How can they donate? Um, where can they find you and, and connect for project bike love? Yep. So we have a website and we are launching our new website soon. It's called www.projectbikelove.org. There you can go see who we are, what are we doing. And we mainly, we we take donations. So mainly it's, so we are a 501c3. uh, So all the donations are tax deductible. And mainly what we do, it's, it's donations through the website, 
We also have a web store. We just now we have new t-shirts and bottles. So you're spreading the love. But I always, it's a great gift. You can give us a gift to, to somebody. Uh, and then we do uh, events like on, on May 8th, we're going to have an event with the Trail Angels. So it's called an open house. Uh, we take women on rides. We teach them how to ride. And then we have different events throughout, throughout the year and then different projects. Our main project right now is uh, working with the Navajo Nation. And then in Paraguay, these 500 women that we want to give the, the bikes to the, to the native women. Mm-hmm. So the best way to, to help is you can follow us on, on Facebook or on Instagram. And we always uh, tell people what we're up to. But it's, it's just great because we, like I was just in Honduras and we were able to give this bike to these five amazing women. Uh, so we're working all the time, doing things all the time. The best way is to go to the website. Yeah, perfect. And if people want to follow or connect with you, is there any other ways that they should connect with you directly? So I have my Instagram is Paraguayan Californian Girl. <laughs> Uh, on Twitter, I actually, it's a funny one because in, in Twitter, in me, it's Ajata Ayu World, which means it's a mix between Warani and in English, right? It means I'll be back world. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to come back. It's just how, what it means. Um, and then I, it's, I, I have the, uh, direct message. It's, it's open. So if anybody wants to contact me through there, it's like I, I, I check regularly my messages and then through, uh, Project by Globe, we also have our Instagram, it's uh, Project by Globe. And then we're also on Facebook. And I was starting to be on Twitter. I just, we, we're not that many. We should be in, in, in more social media, but we're <laughs> just trying to keep up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's a real nonprofit, right? It's, it is. Uh, that's how we met back in the day, right? Getting it launched. So. It's if you guys are doing the work and and doing the projects and finding beneficiaries and doing the fundraising, there's not a lot of time left for doing social media. So everybody um, working there has a job or a full time job. And we we do it because we're just so passionate about it. And all the people we met on the way, the way just you can actually make an impact on somebody's life. And it's it's just great. It really is. Well, Belin, I think you are such a powerful lady. Thank you for being a yes and coming on the podcast. It's so nice to see you and catch up. Um, And yeah, I hope that once we're allowed to be out and meet again, that I can see you and Aaron again soon. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kira, and bring those bikes to the bike store. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I will. I will. Thank you for listening to today's episode. All the links that connect with Belin are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com forward slash podcast. There you can also leave comments and ask questions about this episode. Want more Powerful Ladies? Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies, where you can also find some free downloads to start being powerful today. Subscribe to this podcast and help us connect with more listeners by leaving us a five-star rating and review. If you're looking to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love.